Happy Thursday night, everybody. And uh, I, like we like to say, at Red Rocks at least, um, Fridays are like fake work days. Like we show up, but we're so tired. So it's, it's like it is Friday night right now. And tomorrow's your weekend. So woo! Um, welcome, welcome, welcome to Young Adults. And uh, if this is your first time here, we're stoked to have you. We love you. Um, we're blessed to have you here. Um, I was thinking this week and something I wanted to do right up top before we got into the message, was uh, this is our last YA of 2014, like the last gathering. And um, I wanted to take a moment, and I wanted to thank all of you guys here. This has been by far my favorite year um, of ministry, by far. And um, I wanted to thank all of you for actually showing up. I wanted to thank all of you. Sorry, I always do. This is... I have OCD just a little bit, if you didn't know. So I moved my stand back and forth multiple times. Um, I also turn my um, battery pack on and off, like, multiple times before I even get out here. Just little things that you never wanted to know about me. There you go. Um, so, no, but seriously, I was thinking about it, and it was my favorite, favorite, most favorite year, you guys. Um, this year, as a church, we decided that we were going to be so outwardly focused. And, you know, last year we started doing building stories, and, and we um, did a series about who we're about and that we're about the prodigal. And us, as a young adults crew, we decided to pray kind of similar prayers, and we were like, God, we want to be about your kingdom, not our kingdom, not my kingdom, not this kingdom. We want to be about your kingdom in Denver. We want to be about people, and how do we do that? And we started, um, and I feel like um, just the heart of this ministry took a left turn in the best way possible, and I wanted to thank you for coming, for showing up every week. I wanted to thank you for... Um, for being apart, for inviting people. I wanted to thank you for worshiping with us in the rain. I wanted to thank you for um, one of the best weekends of my life up the retreat. Like, I just wanted to thank you guys. Um, and I also wanted to thank uh, my lead team. So everybody that is comprised in the lead team who um, just endlessly gives of themselves to make this place a reality, um, who spends time away from their families and um, on top of their jobs to be here and to make this possible to the interns who um, just give, and they give so full-heartedly all the time, um, and without um, always being recognized, and to Doug and to Charlotte, who I just love you guys. Thank you so much um, for doing ministry with me this year, and, um, and to my husband, who um, is my pastor. And so, um, I, but thank you, you guys. This has been awesome, and I'm so excited for 2015, and so over the break, I do this every year, and I wanted to invite you to join me over the break to spend time asking God what he would have for you in 2015 and then what he would have for Red Rocks Church in 2015 and this place. And um, that, we just say, that we just say, Lord, like, blow it up. Like, do it this year, you know? And so, um, but thank you. I wanted to spend a little bit of time doing that. We are in a series called The Most Human Face of All. And the entire series has been about the fact that Jesus, a lot of the time, um, we think of him in such an ethereal way, and we don't picture him fully being human. We struggle um, picturing, him, picturing him as a man. We struggle picturing him as someone with emotions, as someone with, with weaknesses. And um, we wanted to do this series to make him more tangible to us and to remind us that he came here to be tangible to us, okay? And so tonight, what I thought I would talk about is Jesus again. But what I want to talk about is um, how does God introduce himself? 
That's what we're going to talk about, okay? So before we get into tonight, let's bow our heads and ask the Holy Spirit to be here. God, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, I ask for your presence in such a sweet way. And God, we ask for um, just a refreshment tonight that people leave and just feel, um, just feel so uh, touched by you and impressed by you and blessed by you. And that we come out of this place um, just knowing you a little bit better. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. All right, so when you introduce yourself to a group of people, all right, like, like a new group of people, like when you are thinking and you, can, you already know, I'm going to run into some people I don't know, okay, and I want to make the best impression possible, like we all work a little bit harder than normal, right? Like, like you know, you get dressed, you wear your nicer clothes, you do your hair. Like anytime I know I'm going to be meeting a new group of people, or let's say um, I'm guest speaking someplace else, true story, I wear the best clothes that I have. Like I'm, I look in my closet and I'm like, okay, you know, and this and this and this, because I don't want them to think I'm homeless. <laughs> and then I do my hair, right, and I get all set up and I get, you know, and um. And we do this, right? When we're about to meet a new group of people, maybe you were new tonight and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to meet a whole bunch of people I don't know. And so I'm going to wear my coolest shoes and I'm going to, you know, and you don't want to, everybody's going to ask you about your job or like what you're doing right now. So you have to figure out a way to make that sound really interesting. And so you're like, okay, I am not an administrator at a financial firm. Uh, what am I? I am a program developer. And, you know, or like, I, like we all embellish, like we're like, oh, hello, and fellas, you work on your handshake, right? Because you want it to be, for, you don't want like limp fish, hand fish, you know, so you make sure that when you come with it, when you are doing your introduction, like it is on point, right? We all focus on our inter introductions. Today, I had the blessing and the privilege of introducing Chad Brugman at CCU. It was awesome. And we have a couple CCUers here. And it was, uh, he did such a good job. But here's the deal. Anytime you introduce a guest speaker, whether it's at like the TED conference or a, you know, like a church or like whatever, like you, you name all of their accolades or you try to, right? Um, and the reason that you do that, you're like, here's where they've spoken. Here's the books that they've written. Here's the stuff that they did. Here's how much money they make, you know, or whatever. That you do all of that to kind of make a point like um, the introduction, the whole point of the introduction is to say this person is important. You should probably listen to them. And introductions are so important. They're so important that I get like super anxious anytime I'm introducing sets of people or individuals to one another. I get really anxious. So I'll be here and, um, and I know like this group is talking to me and then this group is talking to me and I need to introduce them and I get panicked. Because all of a sudden I'm like, do I know everybody's name and do I know everybody's name? And so then I'm like, okay, so Bob, Margaret, Stacy, this is Shelly, Clyde, Frank, and Joe. Joe, Frank, Stacy, Bethany. Like, I start getting so nervous, right? Like, inside. And this is a true story, true story. Um, because I'm like, what happens if I forget a name? What happens if I mispronounce a name? What happens if I faint? Like, in the middle of introducing these people. True story, I am back um, with my husband. We've been married for about a year, and I'm introducing him to a set of friends that he's never met, okay? And because of distance and whatever, we, he's just never met these friends. And so, you know, I'm with him, and I'm like, babe, I'm like, this is Tom and Lizzie, and I'm so excited for him to meet Tom and Lizzie. And, um, and then I go, and this is, true story, I go, this is, and I like, 
blank. <laughs> this is a true story. And I just sit and I'm like, so much anxiety. And my husband reaches around me and he literally goes, John? <laughs> like that. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, this is my husband, John. Like, so dumb. Because I know that introductions are so important, and the way that people get introduced is important to them. Like, it's important. Like, everything that you need to know about a person comes in that first impression. And we work so hard on that. And so, how does God introduce himself? How does he introduce himself? I used to picture growing up, I don't know if you guys did, but um, before I came to know Jesus, I did believe in God, and I used to picture God, and then I used to try to imagine what he would look like, and um, I remember that I'd go to Lake Powell every year, our family would go to Lake Powell every year, and um, totally, and um, I'd lay on the top of the houseboat, you sleep on the top of the houseboat, or at least we did, um, and just under the stars, and you could see the Milky Way, and you could see shooting stars and the whole deal, and he was so grand to me, and I would try to picture, like, what he even looks like. I couldn't even imagine, and, and it's difficult for us to get that imaginative about God because we've had years of felt boards and we've had years of bad paintings of Jesus, and we've had years of all of these different things, and so it's difficult for us to think, well, how would God introduce himself? And 2,000 years ago, the Israelites were imagining what God would look like, what God, how he would introduce himself to them, because there was prophecies that were made about God and about how he would come to earth. Isaiah, uh, the entire book is a lot of prophecies. Many of them are devoted to what God would look like if he came to earth. And it says things like this, um, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on him because the Lord has anointed him to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release of darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim a year of the Lord's favor and a day of vengeance for our God. So they are listening to prophecies like this. The Israelites are listening to prophecies like this 2,000 years ago. And what they're picturing is somebody who had a day of vengeance for our Lord, so like, some, like a God, a grandiose God that comes down. What they were picturing was somebody like Braveheart, truly, truly. How does God introduce himself? If he came like a warrior, if he came like Braveheart, people would have to listen to him. That kind of introduction people listen to. And there's a period of history in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's called the intertestamental period. <laughs> between testaments. And during that time, there was a series of wars that the Israelites engaged in called the Macedonian Wars. They lasted for years, and then there was other wars on top of that that were named other things. But they had kingdoms like Alexander the Great and then the Macedonians below them. They had kingdoms that were trying to lay siege of them. Not only that, they were trying to assimilate the Israelites into their culture. And I'm going to make a point, so just stay with me here. They were trying to assimilate Israelites into their culture. And so the Israelites during this time, the Jews during this period, their land wasn't just being threatened, but their way of life was being threatened and their faith in God was being threatened. Because what Alexander the Great would do is he would take over a piece of land and then he would um, do this thing called Hellenism where he would make everyone in the land basically assimilate into his culture. And so you'd have to leave your God, you'd have to leave your culture, you'd have to leave your way of life, and you'd have to be more like 
So it goes on, and there's a priest. He's a Jew named Matthias, and one day he's um, being forced by one of Alexander the, Alexander the Great's uh, soldiers to worship a god and to make a sacrifice to a god that's not his god. And Matthias refuses, and, and he is being forced by this soldier, and so he raises up, and he murders the dude. This is a true story. And in this moment, all of the Jews get behind him, and they begin to revolt, and this, um, this entire experience, this revolt is called the Macedonian Wars. And in this season, there was tons and tons of military leaders that were bad to the bone, hardcore men, fierce, crazy, military experts, and every time one of them would get risen up or one of them would die and somebody would take their place, all of the Jews would ask, hey, are you the Messiah? Because you, you're so fierce and you're so strong and everybody has to listen to you, right? Like that's how God introduces himself, right? So how does God truly introduce himself? Like does he come in valiantly on a horse with a palace? And people under him, how does God introduce himself? And Luke 2 talks about how God introduces himself, and it says this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria. I'm sorry. And everybody went the, um, on their own to register. And so Joseph went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea and to Bethlehem the, town, Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting child. And while they were there, uh, the time had come for a baby to be born, and she gave birth to a firstborn, a son. And he, she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and it terrified them. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring good news that will, bring, will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared um, with the angel praising God and saying, Glory, glory to God in the um, highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. God of the universe, king of the kings, king of kings, when he speaks, stars come out. This is how he introduces himself. As a baby. As a baby. And I just recently had an experience of watching the beginning formations and the beginning seasons of a baby. And when you meet these babies, they're completely helpless. In the first 24 hours, they're cold. They're learning how to eat for the very first time. They are completely at the mercy of those who are taking care of them. I was thinking <laughs> this week about the season where I was trying to learn to tie my shoe. Do you guys remember learning to tie your shoes? Because I literally remember looking down and being like, what? <laughs> you want me to? And, like, I'd sit there. I don't know if you remember. But, like, and I'd run the, thing, like the things over my hands and, and try to not. I had no clue. And then finally somebody was like, yo, bunny ears, tie them in a knot. And I was like, Okay. Thank you, geez, you know. 
Jesus, God, came as a baby and had to learn to eat and had to learn to tie his shoes and had to learn um, to say his first words. When, the ba- when our baby was born, when our baby girl was born, the only thing she can do to communicate to anyone is cry. That's it. I'm hungry. I'm cold. I'm uncomfortable. Cry. This is not how I would expect the God of the universe to introduce himself. It's not what the Israelites were expecting, and it's not what I would expect. What I would expect is somebody grand and valiant with a palace and with might and with power. And, you know, and when he spoke, people were like, whoa, this guy has something to say. And yet, this is how Jesus comes as a baby. As a baby. And not just that. He doesn't just come to a baby. He comes to two unknown teenagers in an unknown town. And the first people that hear about his arrival are two shepherds out in the middle of nowhere. Like, this is ludicrous. We hear the Christmas story and we forget how absolutely unlike God this is. Grandiose God. Little bitty baby. Other kings introduce themselves in different ways. Augustus is named at the beginning of the story. He was the uh, ruler of Rome at the time. And he's named at the beginning of the story. And when he would come into town, when he would introduce himself, he would pay people to like shout out his name and they would roll out carpets before him. And they would say things like this. This is crazy, but this is what they'd say. They'd say, here comes the Savior. They would say that about Augustus. They'd say, here comes the Lord of Lords. They would say that about him. And they would proclaim him. And they would, um, and people would throw, you know, flowers and different things in front of him. And, and, um, and, you know, they would make a straight path for him. Like before kings would come into town, they'd make sure that the roads were all nice and level and everything. And then a king would enter. Not so with Jesus. He was born in a cave in the middle of nowhere with animals. This is how God introduces himself. And I was thinking to myself, like, okay, I believe, and I think we believe in here, that everything that God does is completely intentional. Everything that's written in his word is absolutely inspired. And everything that he does is with um, intention, and he's made a decision about it, and he has some type of purpose in it. So why? Like, legitimately why? I am thinking to myself, God, you could have come as a fully grown man, You could have come as a king. You could have come as a man in a palace. You could have come with some might and with some power and with some armies and the whole deal. And you still could have like died for our sins and done the whole thing and then raised again. You could have done, you could have done propitiation of sins without this. I don't get this legitimately. Think about the Christmas story for real for a second. So why? The only reason I could come up with this week as I was praying is that God possibly, that this is actually so much representational of his character. One. And two, that is it possible, is it possible, young adults, that God genuinely wanted to be one of us so that he could understand us? Scripture says this about our God. This is Hebrews 4. 
Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Scripture says that God came down and that he had empathy for us. That word empathy there is different than sympathy. Sympathy is defined this way, feelings of pity or sorrow for someone's misfortune. Empathy is defined this way, the ability to share and understand the feelings of another. God came to understand us. He came to understand us. Have you ever been going through something so difficult and so, um, so personal and so intense and people around you are only able to give you sympathy? Like, oh, dude, that sucks. And you're like, mm. Thanks, man. We're going, we're going to lunch. You want to you come? Recently, I have a girlfriend, a very close friend, and she had a family dog. A dog who she loved so much, and her kids loved. She has three kids. Her kids loved so much. And the dog would actually walk the children to the bus stop. And then her dog would actually walk the children. He would wait for the kids when the kids would get home from school. And then he'd walk them back up. They had a pretty long driveway back up to their house. He slept in their bedroom. He was faithful and loyal and like one of the best dogs you could ever have. And last year, he passed away. And I remembered um, she took a couple days off of work and none of her coworkers understood. They were like, oh, what? Like, you need time off work? Like, what's your deal? People who were um, more nice had a little bit of sympathy. They were like, oh, bummer. Like, such a bummer. Sorry. I have two dogs that feel like second children to me. And so when this happened to her, I was able to empathize. I was able in that moment to be like, oh my, I could imagine what this would feel like for you because I love my dog so much. And I remember going and sitting down with her and closing the door behind me and the two of us just cried. There is a difference between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is when you feel badly for a person. Empathy is when you feel with a person. And we want people that get us, don't we? Like, we just want to be understood. We want people to understand us. Jesus got people. Jesus came to the earth, and it says that um, he had compassion. It would say he'd look at a crowd, and he would have compassion. And he'd look at another crowd, and he'd see that they were all sick, and he'd have compassion. That word compassion means co-passion. Passion means to suffer. Co means with. He would suffer with them. Jesus gets it. He gets us. In John 11, it talks about Lazarus passing away. And I've told the story here before, but in that scripture, um, Lazarus passes away and he's been dead for about four days. Four days. 
And Jesus finally makes it to the town, and he shows up, and Martha runs out to meet him. Jesus is kind of in hiding, and so he stays a little bit out of the town because he doesn't want um, Pharisees to find him and kill him because it's not time yet. And so he stays at the edge of the town. Martha runs out to meet him, and, he's, and she's just distraught. But she's kind of like the head of the household. It's her home that everybody's coming to. She's trying to keep the family together, and so she just gives him bullet points. She's like, he died. It's really intense right now. Mary comes out a few minutes later, and this is Martha, the sister of Lazarus, and Mary, the sister of Lazarus. Mary comes out, and she is a wreck, and the people um, have been in the house with her. They've been mourning with her, and so this whole parade of people come out to meet Jesus, and they're all just, like, destroyed. And the story says this. It says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and was troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. And they said, come see, Lord. And so Jesus sees these people just hurting. And, and then he goes, where is he? And they take him to the tomb. And it doesn't even say um, what Jesus saw in the tomb. It doesn't say, you know, he walked into the tomb. It just says he was shown the tomb. He was shown where Lazarus was. And he was so overcome. The very next verse says this. It says, and Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him. God wanted to feel every bit of emotion and pain that you and I did. Why? Because he wants to understand. He wants to empathize with you. And don't we all just want somebody to get it? A few years ago, I was going through, um, you know, an intense time in ministry where I was growing as a leader and trying to do the thing. And I remembered um, feeling like, because uh, I had people that were my bosses in ministry, um, but I didn't have many peers. And I remember thinking, like, I'd love to meet another woman, like, kind of doing the thing and whatever. And I just didn't know anybody. And I remembered feeling like I was going through this intense season of learning and growing and kind of trying to find my way. And I just felt like no one got it. Like, I would talk to my friends and they'd be like, wow, your job sounds like you work a lot and you work really hard. Is this, are you sure this is what you want to do? And I'd be like, yes, like, shut up. Like, like, I need someone to understand me right now. I need someone to get it. And, and I just wanted to, like, have that moment with, like, another female or someone who was running young adults ministry where I was like, oh, man, like, this is crazy and it's hard, but it's fun and it's good. Like, I wanted someone to understand me. We live in a world that desperately wants to be understood but most of the time, what we receive is misunderstanding. Most of the time, that's what we receive. And we read about Jesus. And he was misinterpreted and misunderstood right from the get-go. Right from the get-go, he was a king that was born into a cave to some teenagers that no one knew. He is the Messiah, and only a few people got it. He knows what it means to feel misunderstood. He has felt the way that you have felt and the way that I have felt. And so is it possible that God genuinely wanted to go where you went and to feel what you feel so he could understand 
you. Sympathy is when you feel badly for a person. Empathy is when you feel with a person. He wanted to get us. He wanted to get us. And I love that verse in Hebrews. Um, I love the message version even better. It says this. It says, now that we know that we have Jesus, this great high priest, with ready access to God, let's not, slip, let's, not, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness. He's been through testing. He has experienced it all. But the sin. So let's walk right up, and, um, right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take mercy. Accept the help. If you are in here and you have ever felt left out, if you are in here and you have ever felt misunderstood, if you are in here and you have ever felt like you had um, giftings and talents and kind of an oomph in you that no one really validated or whatever, he gets it. If you have ever been through and experienced um, the most trying trial, he gets it. If you have ever felt like, like um, no one's paying attention or if you've ever felt betrayed, he gets it. He gets it. Band, you guys can come back out here. God says, I have walked in your shoes. And we picture God, and he's a complete trinity. He needs nothing, and he never experienced. The trinity was like this perfect community. One God, three entities. Like, they never experienced any type of pain or loneliness. Like, that's, no. And if he wanted to, he probably could have just, like, supernaturally understood. If he wanted to, he probably could have done that. But that's not what he chose to do. What he chose to do was experience everything that you and I experienced. Isaiah says this about our amazing God. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom the people hid their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. God experienced hunger. He experienced loneliness. He experienced his friends betraying him his closest friends. He experienced um, like a slight unknown and insecurity of like what's to come. Like, God, can you let this cup pass for me? Like I would prefer to not do it. Every single thing you have ever walked through, he has experienced disappointment, rejection, frustration. And the Christmas story, you guys, at its heart the Christmas story at its heart is about um, a God who decided to be so ungodlike. A God who owns everything and who decided um, to disown everything. And he introduces himself all throughout scripture in a number of ways. He calls himself a number of names when he's introducing himself. He says, hello, my name is King of Kings. Hello, my name is Lord of Lords. Hello, my name is El Shaddai. Hello, my name is um, Father, Abba Father. He gives us all these names and all these introductions. But my personal favorite has to do with Christmas. And it says this in Matthew 1. It says, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Not God above us, God with us. 
God introduces himself as someone who wants to be with you and someone who wants to understand you and someone who does understand you. And so tonight, what I thought we'd do before we get into the Christmas season is if you would all stand. Um, And if you're in here and you're feeling um, like the Christmas season isn't fun for you because you don't like your family or maybe recently you lost a family member or like this season doesn't hold any joy for you, he gets it. If you're in here and you're thinking um, this is a really stressful time for me and I just feel, I feel worn out. I feel like I don't have anything left to give. I feel like I, I, just, don't, I just don't know um, what else I can do to be doing better in life right now. He gets it. If you're feeling like um, maybe you're feeling alone or you're feeling like where, um, where are these things that I'm hoping to have in my life, if you're feeling some disappointment or some lack or you're feeling um, just human, he gets it. He gets it. And at the end of Hebrews, it says, come boldly before the throne of grace. Because he won't condemn you because he's one of you. He came to be one of us. He came to forgive us and he came to understand us. And so tonight, as you enter into worship, just lay at his feet whatever it is. Because he would love to be with you. Emmanuel, this is how he introduces himself to us. This is how the God of the universe makes his debut. Emmanuel, God with you. He wants to be with you. He gets it. So tonight as we worship, just lay it at his feet and allow him to be that for you tonight. All right? Let's worship.